You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. I'm going to get right into our reading for this morning, which is from Luke chapter 2, the first seven verses. Here's how Luke describes that first Christmas. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is the simple account of the birth of the Lord Jesus a birth that we celebrate every year at Christmas, as do about 2.3 billion others around the world today who call themselves Christians. Jesus' life is simple enough. He was born to a teenage virgin girl, as best we can determine she was a teenager. He was born in a humble estate to a working-class family. He spent the first 30 years of his life slinging a hammer as a carpenter, along with his adoptive father, Joseph. He never never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home. He never wrote a book, ran for political office. He didn't make much money. He wasn't a well-known man until he began his earthly ministry at age 30, a ministry that lasted only three years. Those three years... He spent performing miracles, feeding the poor, caring for the sick, demonstrating he was, in fact, God who had come into human history. And through his actions, which were perfect, he was never sinned, and through his words, which were filled with the power and love and transforming grace of God, as well as his death, burial, and resurrection that we celebrate at Easter, that sums up the life of Jesus. But his legacy is the most profound and earth-transforming legacy of anyone who has ever lived. I'll give you a couple of examples, but as we study Jesus, we are studying the most significant person who has ever lived. Human history is literally divided at his coming. There is B.C., which is before Christ, A.D., which is Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. We're talking about a man for whom more songs have been sung, more books have been written, more artwork has been commissioned than anyone who has ever lived or ever will live. And today, as we gather as Christians, again, among a few billion other brothers and sisters around the world. We are celebrating, worshiping, honoring, adoring this man, Jesus Christ, 
who has forever changed the world. Those who love Jesus and those who don't curiously agree on this one fact, that all of human history has had made on it the difference of this one man more than anybody else ever. The non-Christian historian, H.G. Wells, who lived about a century ago, says, I'm an historian. I'm not a believer. But I must confess, as a historian, that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. It was 12 years ago, about this time, that our family, it was me, my wife, and our two daughters, they weren't married, certainly didn't have kids yet. So the four of us, we spent several days after Christmas in New York City. It was still that town, as you can imagine, decorated for Christmas. Uh, we went to museums and, and plays, Central Park. Um, <laughs> we, even, we were even at Times Square New Year's Eve. That's a story in itself. But one of the events we attended was the Christmas Spectacular at Radio City Music Hall featuring the Rockettes. Now, I was pretty much resigned in going that, okay, what I'm going to witness is, uh, you know, great choreography, but it's all going to be winter-themed musical selections. I mean, here we are in the most cosmopolitan city in the world. (laughs) The thing was hosted by Santa Claus, no less. And yes, there were quite a number of winter-themed songs, you know, the Happy Holidays, all that sort of thing until it all culminated in one particular event. The stage cleared, the curtains closed to have Santa Claus set the scene. And the curtains reopened to the reading of Luke chapter two, what we just read. And what followed was a very powerful depiction of the entire nativity scene heralded the birth of Jesus Christ. (laughs) That floored us. Again, knowing where we were, what we were thinking that we were going to experience. You see, what follows in the wake of the life of Jesus is the most significant, profound, life-changing event in all of human history. Those who love Jesus and those who don't Those who are historians and theologians alike agree that no one is more important. No one is more influential. No one is is more prominent than Jesus. I'll give you a few ways in which Jesus changed history. I'll begin with societal changes. And first, regarding children. In the days of Jesus, infanticide... And abandonment were tragically all too common. Yet, it was Jesus who welcomed children to him. He prayed over children. Children sang to him, worshipped him at the entry that he would have coming into town. Some of the most endearing pictures in our art history are of those 
children honoring Jesus, Jesus surrounding himself with children, welcoming them to him. Jesus himself did not have an earthly father. He was conceived by a miracle of the Holy Spirit. He was then adopted by Joseph. What this did was radically change the Christian's view of children. In the early days of the church, Christian Christians began adopting all these children that were rejected from their homes and cast aside. You see, in that society, and especially the case was in, in such an agrarian society, you wanted, you wanted boys, you wanted sons to help take over the farming, to take over that business. Many daughters were cast aside. Many children, regardless of their gender, were cast aside if they were not of able body. But as God, our Father, adopts us into his family, so adoption became one of the key metaphors for salvation and redemption and our life with God. So Christians began literally adopting children into their homes, caring for them, looking after them. And what we see throughout history is that wherever Christianity spread, the love and care of children and the adopting of children continued because of the legacy and the influence and the life of Jesus Christ. This transformation included, by the way, not just love for children, but also to women. Again, in the days of Jesus, women were essentially the property of their husbands. They could be mistreated, abused, without any real legal recourse. Yet, around Jesus, some of his most devoted friends were women, which was pretty scandalous in that day. Jesus was also one who taught women which was also scandalous for a religious leader to do. Jesus included women among his ministry and his circle of friends. And in so doing, Jesus elevates the status, the dignity and respect of women. Jesus's influence and legacy also extends to education. In that day, sadly, only those who were rich, and leaders of society could go and get an education. And what happened was that as Christians, because we know that Jesus is the greatest teacher, that he also loved Scripture, and it was so important for him to be able to read, that Christians around the world started and continue today to translate various languages into written form to enable scripture to be read in a person's native language. The way that they can, that way they can learn about Jesus for themselves. They can read scripture for themselves. And what we find, and I think this is really fascinating, from the time that the pilgrims landed in our nation in 1620 for the next 200 years, almost all Colleges and universities that were founded were private and Christian. 
It was Christians who labored for literacy. It was Christians who labored for the education of boys and girls. It was Christians who labored for the translation of written languages so the Bible could be put into the hands of as many people as possible, enabling them to be able to read Scripture and learn about Jesus for themselves. So the life and legacy of Jesus, the teacher, extended to higher education as well. So much so that the first 123 colleges and universities established in America, most all of them were founded by Christians for Christian influence. Harvard was founded and begun by the donation of a pastor. Dartmouth was brought about to train missionaries. Other schools like Yale, Princeton, William and Mary, Brown, NYU, Northwestern were all founded by Christians to train people to love the Lord Jesus with all their mind. We've all benefited. Even those who are not Christians have had the opportunity to study and read and write and make arguments against Jesus. And they do so as a byproduct of the educational system that apart from him wouldn't exist, wouldn't enable us to be able to read and write and argue against his life and death and resurrection, which I find a curious irony. This also extends to the legacy and lineage of Jesus to the founding of our own nation. Our founding was a religious experiment. For those who wanted true religious freedom to be able to worship Jesus according to scripture, our first president, George Washington, at the moment of his inauguration, knelt and kissed the Bible. And then he led Congress to an Episcopal church where they would worship for two hours, commissioning this new nation to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that all our founding fathers were Christian. I'm not saying that all that they did was Christian. But what I am saying is they saw in the person and work of Jesus something central. And that true life and dignity and respect and quality was forever linked to the rights guaranteed by our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, among our founding fathers, historians have gathered their documents, their pamphlets, their booklets, their letters, and they have found that 34%, one-third of everything that they've written was either a direct quote of or under great influence of Scripture. Or consider this societal example. In the first century, doctors were generally available only to the rich. That meant hardly anybody else received care, certainly not the poor. Yet what we see is that Jesus, being understood as our great physician, loved and healed people, period. Not because they were rich, not because they could do something for him, and so a Christians then adopted the heart of Jesus. And at the Council of Nicaea in the year 325, a decree was made that everywhere a church was planted around the world, 
a hospital would also be developed. And at that hospital, they would care for the poor, the working class, the elderly, the infirm, those unable to care for themselves, so much so that wherever Christianity spread, mercy, kindness, and care of those who were sick and dying continued. That even happened during moments of great plague when many people were dying. It was Christians who stepped up to become the doctors and nurses to care for those in need. That continues to this present day where many of the hospitals that you and I visit are either Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic in origin. That even includes the Red Cross that was founded by a Christian with Christian ideals of serving those who are traumatized and needed care. The life and legacy of Jesus was also prominent in the arts, in the transformation of the arts. When you think about architecture, you tend to think about the great cathedrals that dot the landscape of Europe. And during the Renaissance, it was Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and Raphael who were inspired by the person and work of Jesus. And then in literature, Jesus inspired the works of Dante and Chaucer, Dostoevsky, Milton, Dickens, Hans Christian Andersen, Tolstoy, T.S. Eliot, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And remarkably, a lot of these authors, authors are still popular today. And it also extends to movies where the story that portrays the gospel and the life of Jesus capture the imagination and they're on the big screen. But it also goes to music. And so we have composers such as Bach, Handel, Vivaldi. The simple point I'm trying to make is that Jesus Christ lived a simple life, but his legacy was extremely profound. There was not one aspect of life, there's not one aspect of history that Jesus Christ has not had a positive, an exceedingly positive impact upon. Now, certainly Christians have done things in the name of Jesus that Jesus himself would not have taught, modeled, sanctioned. We call those sins. We believe that. But we celebrate the person and work of Jesus. That no one has made the difference for rich, for poor, for men, for women, for young, for old, for black, for white, for brown, than this life of Jesus Christ. And as we've gathered here this day with a few billion around the world and additional people who don't know and love Jesus, but have at least paused this weekend, many of them, because of what this weekend has established for us. They have, in their own ways, remembered him, celebrated him, been inspired by his example of of giving. So the question I would ask is what difference not only has Jesus made in human history, what difference has Jesus made in your personal 
history. For me, I, I don't recall a time that I didn't believe. I went to church all the time growing up, but not until my teens did I really understand the impact of Jesus on my life. Perhaps like some of you, I, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't really know him. I knew that he had lived and that he was a great man. He was a great teacher. He inspired many. The world was a better place because of him. I didn't really know the impact that his sinless life would have on me. I didn't really understand his death as a substitution for my sins. I didn't really see his bodily resurrection as something that I too would one day experience. I had only a vague idea that he was still alive and, and well and I could pray to him. He would forgive me of my sins and embrace me and love me and encourage me. But until a certain point, I didn't realize how he would change my life and give me an entirely new way of life. I can tell you personally and practically that Jesus doesn't just make a difference in history. He has made a profound difference in my personal history. That the woman that I would marry, that the, the children that I would raise, that the way I would live my life would be complete, completely transformed by the person and work of Jesus. Now, I'm far from perfect, so I'm still being transformed by the person and work of Jesus. But for those of you that are Christian, I want you to remember Jesus and I want you to answer this question personally. What difference has Jesus made to you? And then join us in our worship of him with gladness and with joy. And for those of you who don't know, that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who haven't welcomed him into your heart, I can't think of a better time than today. You would never forget you would always remember this day as the day I gave my sin to Jesus, that he forgave me. I entered into a personal relationship with him, that he's my God. Not only does he make a difference in history, he makes a difference in my personal history, and he has changed everything. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.